This is Todd from Washington State. Please don't listen to I Doubt It with Dolomar. Don't listen to it. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right. We are back. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the show. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dalamore. And sitting in her usual spot, right across from me, the lovely, the talented, the eager to get this going, Brittany Page. I'm here. You are here. Mm-hmm. In addition to the lovely and talented, scholarly Brittany Page, joining us in studio is a very good friend, first time, coincidentally sitting in studio with us, Isaac. I am also here. And I think we'll leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably a good thing to do. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, this is completely impromptu. We went out to dinner and uh, decided what better way to cap off the evening than talk about politics and whatnot. Mm Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to become a whatnot guy. Uh, please don't. I really like whatnot. Uh, I don't think you do. Because it's real easy to use way too much. Yeah, that's why I whatnot. think you should <laughs> stay away from it. I don't know. I think it's pretty good in whatnot. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't like it. Why not? Um, whatnot. <laughs> I think I have to agree with Brittany on this one. I don't yeah? think you're using it correctly. Are you guys are you guys uh Nixon whatnot and whatnot? <laughs> what? Oh, right. <laughs> What's happening? Well, let's let's do this. Since we were kind of introducing Isaac to the audience, I don't know that he'll become a regular fixture, but maybe, hell, who knows? Um I'm gonna tell a story, and the reason I'm picking this particular story is because it makes Brittany very uncomfortable. She doesn't like it. Well, I've known Isaac for mildly longer than Brittany Page. And the first time... You mean you've known him longer than I have known him? I think that's what I said. That's exactly what he said. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. You know what helps? This is aggressive. What helps, Brittany, is Is if you listen while I'm speaking and not doing whatever you're doing over there. Um... I'm doing nothing. So <laughs> certainly not listening. Yeah. Anyway, I've known Isaac for slightly longer than Brittany has known him. Do you like is that verbiage better for yes, you? Yes, it is. And Well, because it sounded like at first you were saying that you've known Isaac longer than you've known me. Oh, well. No? M- maybe so. That is not the case either. So when Brittany first met Isaac, I'm a teaser. I tease. I make fun, but it's always in jest out of love. And it's, it's not malicious. It's not angry, dickish teasing. Well, it can be. Well, it may come across to the, to the unskilled ear. But I was teasing Isaac about having a two head. Like, a, rather than a four head, he has a two head. But that is not the case, even. Isaac doesn't have a two head. It's like a three. You know, you have a normal forehead. Your hairline doesn't, like, meet your eyebrows. It's not. It's normal. <laughs> 
And Brittany, afterward, we were having dinner with a group of people. And afterward, Brittany was not happy. She chastised me uh, very aggressively. Okay, so here's what happens. I'm going to set it straight, huh? Well, Isaac is a very good-natured human being. He's a good person. And you you know those people as soon as you meet them, as soon as you see them. Yes. And I automatically go into like protection mode with right. people like that because I get concerned that maybe they don't feel comfortable enough like defending themselves or yeah. sticking up for themselves because they're such uh, good-hearted uh, people. All right, social justice warrior. <laughs> the other thing about Isaac is, is he's a handsome fella. He doesn't need your uh, backing him up when I'm making fun of his. I'm the reason I'm making fun of his boyish good looks by saying something that isn't even true is kind of a hey, you know, I'm kind of a tubby turd, and you're handsome, Isaac. I gotta say something, Isaac. I <laughs> I don't know where to join in on all this. Um, <laughs> It was it was funny to me because I I come from a teasing family so I I love being teased so it was funny to see Brittany defend me when I was like what what is she doing I don't even really know her and you, you didn't know even, what? you didn't even see the worst of it when we got in the car to leave it was a barrage of anger no oh yeah I mean it's been years since this happened that it probably, may I have been that we were at Buffalo Wild Wings and Brittany was just having a tum time from the <laughs> wings I don't have any idea. <laughs> what you're talking about are you talking about raccoons yes <laughs> i'm talking about raccoons okay that's right yeah so anyway welcome to the show isaac we we love you and we appreciate you taking time out of your busy busy schedule to broadcast with us on i doubt it with dollamore the 209th episode of i doubt it with dollamore it's a very special episode it is a very special episode so before we get into the aforementioned wonderfully special episode, let's get to some listener feedback. Last episode, we talked about Bernie Sanders and his sit-down meeting with the New York Daily News Editorial Review Board and his seeming, I don't want to say inability to answer a question, but his, his lack of expeditiousness related to answering the question. And we got a voicemail and an email related to our discussion of this. And I want you to take specific note <laughs> of the two different styles of communication that were used. Let's start with the voicemail. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. This is Justin from California. I wanted to respond to the strong reaction you had from the New York Daily News interview with Bernie Sanders. I'm seeing the headlines make the rounds and that Bernie doesn't know what he's talking about, but many headlines do not seem to take a fair treatment of the actual interview itself. In short, Sanders is cogent and correct in stating that under his proposed legislation, banks would be required to develop a breakup plan and be assessed internally as well as external regulators to determine if the bank becomes too big to fail. At that point, banks would institute their own restructuring of assets to limit failure in case of recession. Banks should get back into the business of loaning rather than speculating. Sanders said most everything correctly, given the current prediction. Look up the New York Times article on the topic and decide for yourself. Love the show, and Brittany is the best part. How's that for Bernie Bro? Love the show. Brittany's the best part. How's that for a Bernie Bro? <laughs> well, thank you, Justin. Uh, we appreciate the call very much. And before we get into analyzing this and me defending myself, and you'll see why I must defend myself, 
after we read the email. But before we do, I just want to I want to juxtapose that against what you're getting ready to hear, which is also um, appreciated listener feedback. Any feedback we get, well, I would I don't want to say any because if you go look at my comments on my videos on YouTube, <laughs> some of that's not necessarily appreciated. But any any measure to move the conversation forward is appreciated. So thank you very much, Justin. We do appreciate it. Uh, so are you going to respond to what Justin said in his message specifically or? Well, I w- what, not yet. I will. But, but because the two communications that we receive, the email and the voicemail, are both on the same topic, I'm going to address it all at the very end. Okay. So this isn't an email. This is actually uh, over 22 messages sent in succession <laughs> to the I Doubt It Facebook page. That's right. So I'm not going to read all 22 messages, but I am going to take a moment here to remind people about kind of how like radio works. So um, we can't read 22 messages on the show, unfortunately. And this is kind of where voicemails are helpful because if I did read this, it would probably take 30 minutes to read all these messages. And we can't do that. Right. Well, also, we're not going to respond piecemeal to 22 individual messages. We right. Just, we, it's just not... Uh, look, what we do here, we think, is informational, but it's also some modicum, hopefully, of entertainment. And that would not be entertaining. That would be terrible. Okay. So let's get to what we're going to get to. So I'm just going to read the first couple messages because I think that the gist of the person's argument is in the first couple of messages. Okay. (laughs) This is from Gilberto. He says, Brittany, you asked Bernie supporters to send a comment about the Daily News interview with Bernie. I just added your podcast to my atheism list, but now I'm considering dropping you. Specifically, Jesse. So soon. Specifically, Jesse, because Jesse launched into an ad hominem attack on those who would disagree with his opinion. He specifically said, quote, any logical or clear thinking or honest with themselves person. I hope you didn't say this because that is not (laughs) uh, clearly stated. Uh, Are you are you denigrating my are you calling me Donald Trump that I'm not getting to my point? Uh, no. I did. I, I did say if something. If this is the way that, that a sentence that you said was structured, that's a problem. But okay, let's get back to the message. Or honest wow. with themselves person can say that it isn't a problem that Bernie Sanders couldn't answer the question. Well, sorry, but it is specifically clear thinking and logical fallacy, knowledgeable people who can see that Bernie can and does answer these questions in a logical and most importantly, consistent over time all right, all right, manner. I, we're, I'm going to stop you and Gilberto there. Um, clearly I am not speaking, you you can't hold me to the literal words that I speak. I'm speaking extemporaneously. I'm not saying that there isn't a single clear thinking, logical, honest with themselves person who would believe that it's, I'm trying to use colorful language to sway someone toward my side of an argument. Mm. All right, continue. Well, I mean, you know, people are going to hold you to what you say, though, right? Of course, but I think we all have the commonality of language that no one really thinks that I mean my way is the only way to think. Well, if Th- you're... That's not the spirit of this entire program. Well, then did you just get a little fired up maybe of when course, you said that? Of okay. course, of course. Okay. Well, and also, I, I did respond 
to Gilberto's message on Facebook, and I did say that it doesn't sound like he's a regular listener to the show, which he did indeed admit to, that that was the very first program he'd ever tuned into. So it is not, it is not par for the course that I just shit on Bernie Sanders, because I said in the last episode that I do admire Bernie Sanders a lot. He's an honest man. Okay, so I want to get to just the gist of this argument. So back to the message, quote, As I have stated before and repeat to you now, you, like the reporter, seem to be ignorant of the difference between the Fed and the Treasury. This is a point which Bernie quickly catches. He was never talking about the Federal Reserve. He was speaking of the Treasury. So Bernie rightly replies, I don't know if the Fed has it, but the administration can have it. Well, look, I didn't take issue specifically with that portion of his answer. I took issue with when he was asked directly a question about it, the problem that we're having right now with the banks, rather than just answer the question, he went into a long soliloquy, which explained in greater detail what the problem was rather than answer the question directly about what specifically he would do. And this goes back to Justin's um, contribution here is if Bernie Sanders, Justin, had said what you said, we wouldn't be having this conversation. He didn't, though. He hemmed and he hawed and he balked with further uh, discussion. That is what happened. That is what happened. There's no way around this. I'm not saying that Bernie is stupid. I'm not saying that he is uh, not well-versed in his core contribution to this particular political campaign. I'm not saying that. But he obviously mishandled this opportunity. Can anybody deny that? Is that the way, the ideal manner that Bernie Sanders supporters would hope that he would answer the question or did the, or could 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 more be wished then nah, yeah he didn't really handle that all that great he should have done this that seems to me pretty apparent well this message writer also said that you know the these questions weren't fair that bernie was interrupted at several points by the journalists this Again, is what's going to happen. Same things that I, I hear about Donald Trump. Well, this is what's going to happen to presidential candidates. You're going to be asked difficult questions. You may be asked questions that don't make sense. You may be asked questions that don't apply to the subject at hand. Uh, you might be interrupted. That's kind of how this works. Right. So you're going to have to learn to deal with that and not be thrown off by that. And if someone's asking a question that doesn't have to do with what you were saying, rather than saying, I don't know how to do that, you could say... Yeah, I actually wasn't talking about that. I was talking about this. Right. Which, and you're going off topic. Which Bernie has done many times. He is he's good at doing that very thing. So this may have just been a, a bad moment for him. He was... Look, these presidential campaigns are taxing physically. And he's an older dude. You don't get a lot of sleep. You're running from, from, from town to town, from meeting to meeting... You're skipping meals. You're eating when you can. You're sleeping when you can. I don't fault the guy. And I didn't, I did not denigrate Bernie Sanders about this particular moment. What I said was he didn't handle it as well as he should. And it's problematic when this is his bread and butter and he blew it. 
in this particular instance. Again, I want to invite everybody in the spirit of moving the conversation forward, which is what we do on this program. We want to talk about it. Disagreeing doesn't matter. You don't have to agree about everything for there to be progress. Having the open, honest, and earnest discussion is what matters. That is what moves the conversation forward. If you too would like to sound off and communicate with the show, taking part in doing just that, you can call the voicemail line and leave a fewer than three-minute voicemail, 657-464-7609. Once again, 657-464-7609. As always, you can email the show, leave a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit.com. And I do want to say I really appreciate other people trying to help me help you be more <laughs> uh, calm well, I mean, and that, even-handed. That is kind of the dynamic on the show. <laughs> I'm more the fire. And this isn't characters we're playing. I am more of a guy who needs to be reeled in because I get fired up and pissed off. And, you know, hey, I'm a human being. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Why are you smiling, Isaac? You are a human being. <laughs> a giant red-headed human being. Wow. Wow. Are you saying something to my giant pumpkin head right now? I, maybe. <laughs> it just got really red as I've you were talking. I've got like a 12 head. <laughs> just the size of my giant dome. You know what? Speaking of that, we got a new logo. We got an updated logo. So if everyone wants to see it, go to the Facebook page. Check out our new profile picture. It is an updated logo. And it is much better. Right. Also, we're going to be um, sending out some new stickers once we get them. But if you'd like a sticker, why don't you email the show? I doubt it at dollamore.com or send us a tweet at I doubt it podcast. And we'd be happy to ship some of those out. And for you Patreon supporters, eh, you'll be seeing some good stuff. But before we get there, let's move on. Well, you know what? Before we do, though, before we do, I, I want to say to Gilberto specifically, because you are a new listener. I don't want him, because I am passionate, fiery, giant-headed guy, uh, <laughs> welcome to the to, to the army of listeners. We appreciate it. I'm not shutting you down. I'm not saying you're wrong. I mean, I could, I could have done with fewer, you know, strings of capitalized sentences, because that is... Aggressive. Well, also, we <laughs> we love the passion and intelligence from our audience. It's just difficult when we get, you know, literally 22 messages in a row. Um, we can't read all that, you know, and, and we definitely want to share what you're we definitely want to share the responses we get. But it's difficult to do that when they're going to take so long to read. So right. if, if you're super passionate and you have a great point to make, Try to keep it to, you know, a couple of messages. Right on. <laughs> All right. We, we do have an action-packed show, so we need to move on here. Skipping a show because we were having massive technical difficulties with my technology. Um, <laughs> we'll just wow. we'll put it that way. Um, we got a lot to get to, so something's probably going to get skipped. In fact, this next clip isn't going to get got to, gotten to. <laughs> We're not going to get to the next clip? We're not going to get to the next clip. We're going to talk about it, though. The governor of North Carolina, Governor McCrory, has signed an executive order which apparently amends their particular anti-LGBT legislation. 
In response to nationwide backlash against his state's new law banning anti-discrimination protections for gay and transgender people, North Carolina Governor Pat McCrory on Tuesday signed an executive order slightly amending the policy. In a videotape message, he explained that while people must use government and school bathrooms matching their gender at birth, private businesses can freely decide their own policy with regard to restrooms, locker rooms, and or shower facilities. The governor's order also expanded protections for state employees against discrimination on grounds of sexual orientation or gender identity. The North Carolina branch of the ACLU dismissed McCory's actions, calling them a, quote, poor effort to, quote, save face after companies like PayPal and megastars like Bruce Springsteen announced boycotts of the state. I would agree with the ACLU in this case 100%. That is exactly what he's doing here. He is trying to curb the exodus, the mass exodus of millions and millions of dollars from his state. And he's doing a poor job of it. So something that's been interesting about this whole debate that I've been seeing is conservatives making liberal arguments or making arguments as a liberal would against like gun control, for example. Absolutely. Um, it's been really fascinating to see that because you think they'd realize that that's what they're doing. Well, give an example. Well, so they want this transgender bill to go through. They want it to be illegal for tra transgender individuals to use a bathroom. Because they're protecting people from ostensibly rape and assault in a bathroom. Yes. Right. Which is, if that's going to happen, it's going to happen. A law isn't going to stop... It, it's not like someone, a, a, a rapist, goes into a bathroom and is like, ah, I really want to rape this little girl, but there's a law against it, so I'm not going to do it. Yes. And it's the same argument, I, I, if I'm getting what you're saying, Yes. that a school-free zone or a gun-free zone at a school, it, it doesn't stop someone from using violence and killing people. Mm -hmm. Those kind of laws, they just, they're not effectual. Mm -hmm. And it is the same argument that now conservatives are trying to employ, which is just as illogical. Yes. I could have probably let you say all that, but... You know what? It's much easier if I could just sit here and say yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Mo mo moving on. How how's that, huh? It's kind of herky-jerky, <laughs> but it's okay. Former Speaker of the House, Denny Hastert, apparently very well might be a chomo. It's back in October that former House Speaker Dennis Hasser pled guilty to breaking banking laws. But uh, it was two days ago that his defense laid out the request for sentencing. In response to that, federal prosecutors released late, late last night court paperwork where they lay out, as Fred was talking about, some of these allegations of sexual misconduct. And while the crime of breaking the law, of breaking these banking laws, was recent, According to federal prosecutors, it is rooted in a very dark origin of Hassert's past. And we want to warn you, as Fred did, that it could be uh, seemingly uncomfortable for some of you to hear some of these details laid out. But in one of these cases of sexual molestation, the defendant, Hassert, told individual A, who was a minor at the time, just 14 years old, to lie down on the bed and take off his underwear. The defendant then began massaging individual A's groin area. It became clear to individual A that the defendant, Hassert, 
was not touching him in a therapeutic manner to address a wrestling injury, but was touching him in an inappropriate sexual way. These alleged sexual molestation cases took place in the 1960s and 70s while Mr. Hassert was the head coach of a high school wrestling team. There's at least five individuals, five young men, who say that they were molested uh, by the former speaker. Now, it is important to note that Mr. Hassert has never said that he conducted or was involved in these sexual molestation cases. In fact, he's never mentioned them specifically. But just a few days ago, his defense attorney did release a statement on his behalf. The statement goes on to read, Mr. Hassert is deeply sorry and apologizes for his misconduct that occurred decades ago and the resulting harm he caused to others. And it is also very important to note that he's not going to be charged or he's not facing any charges related to this, Fred. The statute of limitations have uh, come and gone about mm -hmm. 30 years ago that this happened. So he's no longer going to face charges for these alleged Won't cases. Won't face charges for those because of the you know, statute of limitations right. you mentioned, expiration. But that statement from the attorney, while it's not an admission, it's an apology for you know, these uh, alleged uh, yeah. offenses. And he is facing sentencing on the banking. So all of this is coming together. It is all coming together and it is all connected. And that's the Fed's uh, case to try to figure out sentencing. They're trying to agree right now exactly how long in this court paperwork. They don't mention prison time, but they do say zero to six months, but not specifically prison time. When the Feds initially approached him about breaking banking laws, Hastert said that he was the victim of extortion. His attorneys contacted the FBI and IRS when they started recording these conversations between individual A, as he's named, in this lawsuit or in this court paperwork, they realized that the tone of individual A, this alleged victim of sexual molestation, was not one of somebody who's extorting. They realized that Hassert, according to the feds, was lying about his interactions and that he was paying, according to them, hush money for what had happened uh, about 30 years ago. So the most disturbing part about this is the statute of limitations. Absolutely. Which, w why? I don't think there should be a statute, not a statue of limitations, like the reporter pronounced it, but a statute of limitations on sexual assault of children or anyone for that matter. I think sexual assault should be treated, you know, I'm, I'm not a death penalty guy, but if we're going to have capital crime, I believe it should be treated like that. The other thing here, this is the former speaker of the United States House of Representatives. Very high in succession to the presidency of the United States. This is the man who had great power at one time. And now we're finding out that he allegedly was, you know, willy-nilly touching kids and ruining lives. That is what this is. You don't leave an incident like this unscathed. There is trauma that you face for a lifetime. And I, re I feel very passionately that there, there should be some, some kind of punishment other than six months in jail because of banking impropriety. Right. And it almost seemed like the reporters were saying, well, you know, he's going to be punished. They're kind of folding all this stuff in together. Uh, I mean, he's not going to be punished for what he did to those kids. Right. So it's not, it's not the same. Right. It's, it's sickening. Well, at least... At least they got some kind of, um, they got some skin out of him because he ended up paying, I think, three and a half million dollars spread across four or five victims. So money doesn't, isn't going to solve this problem. It's not going to heal them. But at least there was some meeting out of punishment on his part. All right.
Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent and good-looking listeners like yourself <laughs> by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode, as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward, one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. That's the first time I heard that. I know. It's a surprise, right? Yeah. Isaac over here laughing during the mid-roll. I'm so sorry. How dare you, sir? I, I did not mean to. The, Act like you've been there before. The good looking thing made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that that is intended, so that is good. I mm-hmm. hope that the audience puffing them up. They uh they feel good and they think it's funny. I thought it was funny. Yeah. And Isaac clearly knows what is funny, because I wrote that. <laughs> All right, listen, tomorrow, Thursday, tomorrow for us, it'll be Friday or Saturday for you, we will be releasing a bonus episode of the Democratic debate between Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton that will be taking place in the Bronx in New York City. Mm-hmm. I believe Bronx, the Bronx. I In one of the five boroughs, we'll say. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is for sure. And we will be doing another bonus debate analysis episode. So look for that, and uh, it'll be fun to finally get do another episode of a debate because it's, they haven't had a debate in a long time. Yeah, it's been a while. So let's uh, let's get in to some good good stuff. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. All right. Well, we've talked in the past, obviously, ad nauseum about Donald Trump and everything inside and out related to every single fiasco that comes down the pike. We have spoken at length about Corey Lewandowski and his behavior and how now some of Trump's emissaries are coming out of the woodwork to defend Trump's campaign manager, even... Ben Carson. Corey Lewandowski, the campaign manager, is he still running the show? Well, I think there are are a number of people who are involved. uh, And, uh, you know, uh, from my contacts with Corey, he's a very intelligent uh, (laughs) uh, and efficient uh, individual. And uh, I don't see any reason, quite frankly, that we should demonize him. If you can come up with a good reason, I'll, I'll listen to it. Let's uh, let's pause it right there. Well, I love how he said that Corey Lewandowski is a very efficient individual. <laughs> That's what you say about someone when you can't literally can't think of anything else to compliment them right. on. Well, <laughs> but he, he can't think of any reason why we should demonize Corey Lewandowski. And if you can come up with a reason, he's all ears. Mm-hmm. Well, he, I think Jonathan Berman gives him a reason. He he he's arrested for assaulting a woman, bruising a woman. He has been charged with that offense. It has not been adjudicated yet, but that is the charge. Well, Ben Carson thinks, you know, it's like... What are you going to do? Yeah, it's... You know, it's uh, might as well... Uh, he's a man. We'll let uh, John Berman do some work. Well, look, I mean, he's been charged with, with misdemeanor uh, assault in Florida. I mean, a, a lot of people think that is a reason. Well, I mean, a lot of people have been charged with various things. That doesn't necessarily mean that we need to demonize them. 
you've probably been charged with something too. You maybe with a misdemeanor or something. Doesn't mean that you're an evil, horrible person. And you know, this is this I actually is part of the problem that we have in America today. Everybody wants to demonize everybody rather than sitting down and having an intelligent discussion about what is going on. I love when he goes. Uh, he goes. Well, you know, he he was charged with with misdemeanor, uh, a battery, and then. The long silence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but I'm sure you've been charged. Uh, nope. No, <laughs> I have not. <laughs> yeah. So clearly things aren't looking good for the Trump campaign. In fact, this week has been another very quiet week from them. Although we did hear something specifically again about Corey Lewandowski. Yeah, the Daily Beast wrote up an article and they apparently have information from Corey Lewandowski's former co-workers at Americans for Prosperity. <laughs> so Lewandowski... They just name their organizations whatever they want. Lewandowski was AFP's New Hampshire state director when he took over Ohio state operations for the Coke-backed advocacy operation in the summer of 2012 several former afp employees who worked with lewandowski at the time described him as a bully and said they were flabbergasted to learn that lewandowski had gone from afp to overseeing a presidential campaign quote he was just a condescending nasty brutish bore said Pat Maloney, an Ohio regional field director for AFP, when Lewandowski took the reins, quote, in a position of real power, he would make H.R. Haldeman and the Nixon administration look like a Boy Scout. Maloney described Lewandowski's management style as unusually aggressive, lacing his interactions with employees with expletives and calling individual staff members to berate them even when they were not his direct reports. When Maloney missed a conference call to attend to his ill grandmother, Lewandowski called him at his grandmother's bedside. Quote, My grandmother is literally dying having last rites administered, and I get a call from Corey chewing me out asking who the hell did I think I was missing the conference call. Wow. He also says there was definitely a misogynistic streak to this guy. And another person, a woman, said that she once got a call from Corey at 7 a.m. because she missed a conference call. Uh, she says, quote, Corey gets on the phone and defames my character. He called me incompetent, called me a loser. He called me a fucking bitch, yelled, I'm going to fire your fucking ass. Wow. Real class, class act. Mm -hmm. Clearly a good fit for the Donald Trump campaign. Oh, he also oh, there's more. called a lady a naughty word. What do you say it and I'll bleep it and post? A cunt. All right. Listen, it, it should be no surprise. This but is, this is J Donald Trump's campaign manager right, is the point. Who still is on. He still has a job as campaign manager after having assaulted a political reporter who is an ally to the campaign. And apparently she treating people listen, like this. She wasn't a New York Times reporter. She was a Breitbart reporter. She may as well work for goddamn InfoWars. Well, and he has, <laughs> <laughs> he has previously treated people like this in... You know, people prior, he was prior positions. People he was overseeing. Right. And that's problematic. That's scary. For sure. Well... Isaac, any uh, any any thoughts? It just blows my mind that someone like that can be in a position of power and that no one raises a hand or says anything before. It's know. that's the problem I have with it. That 
you know, look, uh, Ted Cruz had a guy who who did some underhanded tactics on the campaign um, geared toward Marco Rubio. And when it was found out, I'm sure Ted Cruz knew about it. That That's my thought. But when it was made public, Ted Cruz did what you have to do and let the guy go. And Donald Trump, standing by his man, this maniac, is unconscionable. He's assaulting women on the campaign trail in the due course of his duties. Unacceptable. See, you see, you had a more measured response, Isaac. I, I, I get a little fired <laughs> up. Gilberto, do you see what I'm talking about, brother? <laughs> and Trump's done said nothing about him or oh, defended totally, him? Or? Totally backed him up and said it's ridiculous that people are trying to ruin his life because he is a wonderful person. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's terrible. All right, a couple more Trump things. But yeah, you know, we might we might come around. He might get mentioned. Uh, apparently, Donald Trump has made a claim that he has donated some astronomical amount of money over the course of the last five years to charity. I think he said a hundred million dollars. Hundred and two. Hundred two million dollars over the course of the last five years. And the Washington Washington Post did a little digging. And apparently that might be slightly, just slightly inflated. Right. So Donald Trump's donations over the past five years compiled in a list by his campaign did not include a single contribution of his own money, according to a Washington Post analysis. <laughs> so it's inflated by about $102 million. Yeah. <laughs> The Post found that of the 4,844 donations listed in the campaign's report, most of those contributions consisted of free rounds of golf at his courses for charity auctions and raffles. Wow. The newspaper also reported the largest donations on the list were land conservation agreements to waive development rights on some of his properties. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he still enjoys widespread support amongst his... Loyal followers, his devotees. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what that's what makes you a loyal follower. Is you follow even when it's crazy. Yeah, but <laughs> uh, listen, loyalty it shouldn't be blind loyalty, but loyalty should be where it's merited. You know, you're, you're I'm loyal to you. As soon as you turn on me, uh, you don't have that loyalty anymore. It's a two way deal. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I've got the whole loyalty thing wrong, but. It just it baffles me. Well, even if you're going to give someone one chance or even two chances. I'm a sports guy. It's like diehard Cleveland Browns fans. They, they've they stuck <laughs> through everything. through. Yeah, but they're not being betrayed. Their team <laughs> they're is just failing. Being they're being betrayed by management. <laughs> <laughs> or Raiders fans with Al Davis. Exactly. All right. Well, the other thing that I've had issue with with Trump this entire, this entire campaign is the fact that he is not presidential. He never acts presidential. He acts like a elementary schoolyard bully. I was going to try to do a Donald Trump impression, so I leaned into the mic, and then the rational side of my brain was like, no, <laughs> just stop. It was going to be tremendous, <laughs> believe me. So Donald Trump was asked about this uh, very thing by Anderson Cooper during his town hall meeting with his family, and... This was his answer. <laughs> God damn. You've still talked about kind of changing your tone from time to time, maybe even soon. Do you think 
that's actually going to happen? Because a lot of people are saying, look, you've been talking about that for a while. Sure. Maybe he's not actually capable of changing. Oh, I'm very capable of doing it. It's easy to do it. I mean, it's easier <laughs> to do it than the way I behave right now. But so why not? I have two, because I have two more people I have to take out. And, and when I take them Great. out, I will be so presidential, you won't believe it. And then, of course, I'll start on Hillary, and then I'll be a little bit less presidential. But assuming I win... Uh, I will be very, very, the country will be very proud of me and we will make America great again. Don't you want to start being presidential when you're running to be president? Right yes. <laughs> yes. It's like saying you'll change after you get married or something. That's exactly right. That, no, that, Typically that's you're on your best behavior before and then stuff changes after. That's and a again, great point. That is a, that is a, a good answer as far as the people who are supporters. Let's say not loyal. But supporters of him, that's okay. Oh, yeah, whoa, I believe he is going to... Well, I should say this. Well, I believe it. As soon as he gets elected, he's going to be super presidential. Uh, Am I right? Uh, um, Or are you just super alarmed right now? I don't know what... (laughs) (laughs) Come on. He's not going to be presidential. He doesn't have it in him. If it was that easy, like he claims, then just just do it. Well, I mean, he's asking us to believe that there's going to be a complete change in his personality. Right. This is his personality. This right. is who he is. He talks about ladies' periods, and he calls people crazy and losers, and that's what he does. So... And calls them fat pigs. That's just his personality. Right. You know, and he's saying, well, I'll change it once I'm a president. No, I don't think you will. I love the poorly educated. All right. Well, let's move on to the Hillary Clinton campaign. They have, listen, this is something that uh, uh, above and beyond all of the Trump insanity. The other thing that really has has baffled me throughout this is the, the support of Hillary Clinton that comes from the African-American voting bloc. I just don't get it. When Bernie Sanders is the clear, legitimate progressive in the race, why are the vast majority of blacks in this country supporting the Clintons? Well, Bill Clinton is out on the campaign trail right now for Hillary, and he's not making things easy. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, wait, wait. Bill Clinton losing his trademark. Cool. That's not true. And it's not the first time he has made headlines on this trail. Just two weeks ago, stumping for Hillary. If you believe we can all rise together, if you believe we've finally come to the point where we can put the awful legacy of the last eight years behind us, awful legacy of President Obama, problematic to the point that Hillary Clinton addressed it on Jimmy Kimmel. We are both very proud supporters of President Obama. President Obama, who I think doesn't get the credit he deserves for getting as much done as he has in our our country. Recently, the president admitted it's a difficult position he finds himself in. The hotter this election gets, the more I wish I were just a former president and just for a few months, not the spouse of the next one. Because, you know, I have to be careful what I say. And then days later, raised eyebrows by saying, We are all mixed race people. (laughs) But it also happened in 08 when Hillary was running against then-Senator Barack Obama. President Clinton attacked Obama, saying, quote, A few years ago, this guy would have been getting us coffee. And he tried to say that Obama, who voted against the war in Iraq, and Hillary Clinton, who voted for it, essentially felt the same way over time. 
Give me a break. This whole thing is the biggest fairy tale I've ever seen. So could Bill Clinton be something of a liability for Hillary? It's definitely been suggested. His personal life has come up. She's faced uncomfortable questions. And some of his policies as president on Wall Street, crime, gays in the military, bear a stark contrast to Hillary's biggest threat, Bernie Sanders, who has both defended Hillary and blasted both of them. Look, uh, Hillary Clinton is not Bill Clinton. What Bill Clinton did, I think we can all acknowledge, was totally, totally, totally disgraceful and unacceptable. But I am running against Hillary Clinton. I'm not running against Bill Clinton. A former Hillary communications director today said the trail is tough. I listen to you. You listen to me. And even the people most known for communicating, not always at their best under such scrutiny and constraint. Michelle Kosinski, CNN, the White House. Well, these problems are not just a direct result of the actions of Bill Clinton. It looks like, and eh, I would certainly be on the team of pointing a finger at Hillary Clinton herself. Recently, she was at an event that was focused at the black vote in New York City. And she was on stage with Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York City. And they did an odd little, I want to say comedy routine, but neither one of them are funny. So Attempt. Yeah, they attempted it. A scripted little set of jokes talking about CPT or BPT, which would be colored people time or black people time, which is a reference to a stereotype that black people are late all the time. I don't know again, in, in what world. Well, again, Hillary Clinton, a presidential candidate, right. made a joke about this. I don't know in what uh, world this would be. I just. Okay. I, I, well, you always talk about the Clinton machine, right? Yes. And what happened in the Clinton machine to allow this to happen? Yeah, well, she got. It was clearly scripted. She has blamed, and I'm going to play the audio here in a second, but she she has blamed Bill de Blasio. She has shifted it to him that it was his event his thing but she had to have known because she was responding in time with the lines that were set for her so and there is a palpable reaction from the audience after it was said i just have to say thanks for the endorsement bill (laughs) took you long enough oh Sorry, Hillary. I was running on CP time. That's not, I don't, I don't like jokes like that, Bill. That's not Cautious politician time. I, I've... So, eh, listen. I mean, I mean, the only thing I can do is shake my head. Right. I just don't understand. Well, like I said, I don't understand why she enjoys such widespread support from that faction of her voter base. It, it, it is shocking to me that Bernie Sanders isn't more popular among black Americans. I just, you know, granted, I am about as white as it fucking gets. I, I don't, so I don't, I've, I don't have those experiences to draw from. I don't understand um, what motivates and, you know, the, the life experience. I don't get all that. So that's okay. But from an outsider's perspective, from this outsider's perspective, 
I don't get it. This week, she spoke to the National Action Network, which is a a new wave civil rights organization run by, by Al Sharpton. And Hillary Clinton gave a speech to them where she said some things, some odd, odd things. However, in this speech, at least she didn't speak with some contrived southern accent like she did when she spoke to them during her first presidential campaign. Here it is. When I walk into the Oval Office in January 2009, I'm afraid I'm going to lift up the rug and I'm going to see so much stuff under there. You know, what is it about us always having to clean up after people? I ask you to join me on this journey. You know, I'm proud to be a woman running for president. So, what, what is that all about? I'm going to pull up the rug. I'm going oh, to look under there. Oh, there's going to be so much stuff. Why we got to clean up after everybody? Hey, Hillary, you're, you're not Southern and you're not black. Neither one of those things are your deal. You're, you're a white super rich woman from Chicago and upstate New York. Well, that was evident in her, I think it was a Snapchat that she posted today. I'm just chilling in Cedar Rapids. <laughs> play it again, play it what again. What do you mean? She's just chilling. I'm just chilling in Cedar Rapids. <laughs> what is she doing? She's trying so hard to appeal. Just be you. She's trying so hard to appeal to young people. It is, it is pandering disgusting pandering i'm just chilling <laughs> i'm just chilling in cedar rapids she's just chilling Brittany. give her a break no one chills in cedar rapids <laughs> <laughs> all right well here we'll finally get to the speech a portion of the speech less than a minute of the speech that she gave to the national Ac the national action network over the course of the last couple days we are called to come together to break down all the barriers that still hold African-Americans back from fully participating in our economy and our society, and together to build ladders of opportunity and empowerment in their place. As I have said many times, white Americans need to do a much better job of listening when African-Americans talk about the seen and unseen barriers you face every day. We need to recognize our privilege and practice humility rather than assume our experiences are everyone else's experiences. She's joking, right? Is she kidding me? It is the most tone deaf, ignoring of her own behavior, of anyone's own behavior that I've ever heard, maybe. White Americans need to do a much better job of listening when African Americans talk about the seen and unseen barriers you face every day. She must be forgetting about what happened just a couple months ago. That's exactly right. Okay, we'll talk I'm about it. I'm not a super predator. Hillary, okay, fine. We'll talk about it. Can you apologize to black people for mass incarceration? Well, can I talk? And then maybe you can listen to what I say. Okay, fine. Thank you very much. Uh, there's a lot of issues, a lot of issues in this campaign. The very first
back in April was about criminal justice reform and about predators. not appropriate. This is not appropriate. You want to hear the facts? I know that you called black people predators in That is a, a clear juxtaposition to what she's standing before a overwhelmingly majority black audience when she says this. White Americans need to do a much better job of listening when African Americans talk about the seen and unseen barriers you face every day. But then she spent most of her time in that other clip saying, can I talk and you can listen? Yeah. Can I talk? Maybe you can listen to what I say. That That's a quote. That's what she said. She also says, do you want to hear the facts or do you just want to complain? And then when the young black girl is escorted from the room, she says, okay, back to the issues that are important to me. Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? How mm -hmm. hypocritical. Yeah. Disgusting. And again, perplexing to me that she is enjoying as widespread support as she is. She's just chilling. I'm just chilling in Cedar Rapids. <laughs> Before we move on, I want to say something's trending on Facebook right now, and I think you're going to get a kick out of it. Oh, Donald no. Trump was speaking to a rally in Pennsylvania, and he said this, quote, I know a lot about Pennsylvania, and it's great. How's Joe Paterno? Really? Yeah. We're going to bring that back, right? You, you know, How about that whole deal? You know he's dead, right? What is he even talking about? I don't know. <sighs> I, <laughs> wow. D didn't they take the statue down at yes, the state of Joe Paterno? It like, yeah. It's not a good thing to bring up. And he died right away. So he might be saying, we're going to bring that back, right? As in bring back the statue? I don't know. And then he says, how about that whole deal? I don't know. You mean Jerry Sandusky brutally raping, sodomizing children? I, I think maybe this was the only thing he knew about Pennsylvania. And so... I know a lot about Pennsylvania. How about that whole Jerry Sandusky deal? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Wow. Yeah, just FYI, that happened. All right. Well, before we move on. I would like to encourage anybody who has anything to say about this or any other topic we've talked about, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Now, the moment that Gilberto has been waiting for, a little bit of Bernie Sanders talk and uh, some good stuff. Bernie was on with JTAP from CNN. And got asked some very, again, difficult, pointed questions which deserve and need to be asked of presidential candidates. The first being the charge from the Clinton campaign, a little transition here from campaign to campaign, but a charge from the Clinton campaign, especially Bill Clinton, that Bernie is employing sexist tactics against his wife. Bill Clinton today was asked about the comments and said 
of course you wouldn't have made the same charges if she were a man. <laughs> oh, my God. And he said, I think there are some different standards for women. Some of them are subconscious. Well, I, I appreciate Bill Clinton being my psychoanalyst. It's, it's always <laughs> nice. Uh, but the reality is that ever since Wisconsin, when that became the sixth out of seven states that we have won in either caucuses or primaries, I think the Clinton campaign has made it public. Basically, they've told the media uh, that here in New York, they're about to become very negative, uh, about to beat us up. And I just want them to understand that, you know, we have tried to run an issue-oriented campaign, but that we are not going to be attacked every single day. Our record is not going to be distorted. We are going to fight back. And what I said is that a, a candidate uh, like Secretary Clinton, who voted for the disastrous war in Iraq, who has supported virtually every disastrous trade agreement, which has cost us millions of decent-paying jobs, and who receives incredible amounts of money. We're talking about tens of millions of dollars through a super PAC from every special interest that you can think of and from the billionaire class, you know. Uh, I have my doubts about what kind of precedent uh, she would make. But you would support her if need be. Well, and by the way, in terms of experience, there's no question that she has the experience. Uh, but I think she and I would agree, and I, I hope that that is her view, uh, that we will do everything possible uh, to prevent this country from seeing a Donald Trump or some other Republican in, in the White House. That would be a disaster for this country, and I will do everything I can to prevent that. Listen, I think it's pretty clear that any right-thinking, clear-headed, honest-with-themselves type of person... Oh, God. <laughs> he doesn't learn. <laughs> ...would agree that Bernie Sanders is not employing sexist language or sexist tactics against... Hillary Clinton. Oh, okay. In fact, he's been nothing but fair-handed mm -hmm. when dealing with Secretary Clinton. Yeah, I think that's been manipulation on the part of the Clinton campaign. It's also the height of hypocrisy for Bill Clinton <laughs> to level charges of sexism against Bernie Sanders. Bill Clinton, who is a serial abuser of women, using his position as President of the United States to assault women under his employ. When you're in a position of power and you're having sex with an intern, an employee, if you were, if you were a, I've said it before, if you were a college professor and you did that, you would be fired. He wasn't because he was president of the United States, a more lofty position, a, a position to which there should be more accountability. Shame on you. Bill Clinton. Before we move on, I want to address this topic that's been getting a lot of press this week. Surrogates for both Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders have been making a lot of waves this week about the lack of democratic process in this particular election. I don't know if it's the case that it's this election unto itself, or if it's a matter of this is just the system we have and we haven't really noticed it because it hasn't been as contentious as it is this year. But Joe Scarborough and the lady who I never know her name, who is his partner on Morning Joe on MSNBC, they talked about it. 
Bernie Sanders' winning streak continued over the weekend with a victory in the Wyoming caucuses on Saturday. Sanders beat Hillary Clinton by 12 points, 56 to 44, notching his eighth win in the last nine okay. nominating contests. Okay, okay, what do we do here? I mean, it so, sounds so like he's winning. He, he's won eight out of nine. Yep. But he's here, and, look, and look, he wins by 12 points. I tell you, I would not do well as a Democratic politician. <laughs> he wins by 12 points. He may not even pick up a single delegate. Yeah. It's seven to six now with a remaining delegate to be decided later. I'm sorry. That's a crushing victory. I know. And listen, I think that with the superdelegates that they have, I think she only has to win 30% of the, she only has to get 30% of the vote in the uh, remaining contest. I mean, talk about voters feeling like a system well, might be and, 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 Why are you if, if, if you're driving right. a car right now, we've been talking about rigged systems. We're putting up right now a graphic. Bernie Sanders wins 56 to 44% in Wyoming. The delegates rewarded Hillary Clinton 11 Bernie Sanders, seven. Why does the Democratic Party even have voting booths? No, why? This system is so rigged. It feels that way. And I think, if, you know, they fall into line better than our voters do. But I can see some of the same emotions boiling over at their convention. But we always talk about voter turnout and how important it is to do your duty as a citizen. There's absolutely no reason any of those people voted in any of There's those not. states, I mean, right? What's the justification Please, for someone tell me. These, these, these are the rules. No, that's yeah, not a good I answer. Tell me why why those people needed to go vote. Because they, they their votes rigged. don't matter. It turned out it's not rigged. These Does, rules, do their votes rigged. matter, Mark yeah, Albert? Yeah, they do. The votes How? Matter. Do they count in some Depends way? where you turn out. How? I don't oh, think it's only a good in system. some parts of the country I don't think it's it matters. A good system, but it's not he like won by twelve percentage points the and I lost the delegate. I don't think counts. it's a good system. All I'm saying is it's not. Do you think it's Do you don't think that the Democrats matter. and Republicans change their delegate allotment processes after only, the cycle? Only if the winner of the White House decides he or she wants to change it, which is unlikely. These are the rules. I don't just, all really. I'm, all I'm saying is, it's not, not like the Cruz people or the Clinton people have gone in and fixed it or rigged it. Okay, but let, just, I'm talking about the Democrats for now. Fair. Let's talk about the Democrats for we, now. I didn't say that. Here right. is a party who sends their activists out and have people chattering on TV and chattering on talk radio about voter disenfranchisement if you make somebody show a picture field. of themselves. This same party tells voters to go straight to hell when they, they, they select somebody by 12 percentage points and end up letting the other candidate who lost by 12 percentage points win the most delegates. That by definition, is voter disenfranchisement. So all, I mean, it is a rigged system on the Democratic side, even worse than the Republican side. And I don't know why Democratic voters put up with it. I'm going to end it there. It goes on for another minute. If you'd like to see it, I'm sure MSNB, I tell you what, we'll put it up on the web page. We'll put it up on the Facebook page, which if you haven't gone and liked the Facebook page, there's something seriously wrong with your decision-making, and you need to go remedy that right now. Isaac, have you liked the, the page? Sir, uh, sir, you're, you're, what, what's going on over there? It's, uh, give me a second here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not accepting my thumbprint. <laughs> it's horrible timing. Listen, this is, this is problematic, and it is an endemic problem more so for the Democrats this cycle than, than for the Republicans. 
Although Donald Trump is also complaining about and it. And he has right to complain. I don't want to side with the orange mook, but he's right. There is a problem when he wins Louisiana and gets fewer delegates. Mm-hmm. There's an issue there. Yes. They're only talking about Wisconsin with the 12-point margin of victory. In Washington, it was more like a 28-point margin of victory, a 27-point margin of victory, and we don't know yet exactly how many delegates he's going to end up with. Not only that, but this superdelegate system, which Mark Halperin describes as that's just the rules, Yeah, well, Saddam Hussein got 99% of the vote every single election because those were just the rules, Mr. Halperin. These superdelegates who are flagrantly voting against the will of the vast majority of the voters in their state are acting in, as far as I'm concerned, collusion with the Democratic Party in a conspiratorial manner to, to box out Bernie Sanders from getting the superdelegates because right now it is far closer the delegate count than it would appear if you count superdelegates. That's why on this show we do not include superdelegate counts when we give delegate counts. It's it's alarming to me. It's concerning for me as an American in a democratic system of government. What he said was right. Why go vote? Why are they voting when their will is being expressed in large numbers and it's completely being ignored? Well, and his co-host said that as well. What is their vote worth if what matters is the delegate and he's not going to get the majority of the delegates? So what does it matter if people go and vote? Something needs to be done because it is antithetical to our system of government to our our election system. Not good. All right. It is just about that time. Taking care of biz. We have Inky the octopus. That stinky? No, Inky. Oh, Inky. 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 Well, yes. tell us a little bit about how an octopus could possibly be taking care of biz. Well, Inky the octopus is now the ex-resident of New Zealand's National Aquarium <laughs> because he reportedly peaced out and... He died? No. <laughs> no. He slipped out of his tank and he crawled his way to a drain pipe... <laughs> And he escaped to the ocean. So he's the Andy Dufresne of octopi. Exactly. Wow. So the aquarium staff found suction cup tracks. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a cartoon. This happened, though. (laughs) Leading from his tank to the six-inch drain. Now, they said he is the size of a football, so he... Squeezed, well, they're pretty squishy. He squeezed his squishy football body <laughs> down the six-inch drain. Wow. The escape happened three months ago, but it has just become public this week. They he, want, you know, Shawshank style. They wanted to keep it yeah, under wraps. Yeah. He had lived at the aquarium since 2014. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
get busy living or get busy dying. <laughs> That's goddamn right. <laughs> what better way to end this episode than with a little Morgan Freeman narration? Huh? All right. We're going to leave you there. We appreciate you listening dedicating as much time as you do, whether you listen twice a week or once a month, helping us move the conversation forward is important. If you'd like to support the show by doing something other than listening, you can rate and review us on iTunes. We would really appreciate that. You can also go to the website, dollamore.com, and on the left-hand side of the page, there's a link there that says support the show. At that link, you can find several different methods, whether it be PayPal or Patreon or buying something on Amazon. Every little bit goes a long way. We appreciate it very, very much. As we mentioned last time, if we could get only 500 listeners to give 25 cents per episode, that's about $1.99 per month, and we'd be able to add a third episode per week. We love you. We appreciate you. Thanks for being here, Isaac. Ah, oh, it was my pleasure. And I found out that I did like your Facebook page a long time ago. Oh, wow. I just had forgotten about <laughs> it. And uh, I don't want to leave you out, Brittany. Thank you. Thank you for being here, too. Oh, you're welcome. All right. For, for Brittany Page and Isaac, I'm Jesse Dallimore, and this has been I Doubt It. You know what? It's much easier if I could just sit here and say yes. <laughs> <laughs>